Good morning. Good morning. I, look, I know that um, every part of you wants to be sleepy and kind of settle down in your chair. But today is, can we take the effect number one and mute that, please? I'm hearing reverb in here. Um, <laughs> might as well put auto-tune on me too right now. Okay, so <laughs> that would be kind of cool. Um, guys, so we are this morning... Um, we are going against every bit, uh, not a, not mute my channel. There we go. Hallelujah. <laughs> Effect number one, <laughs> like pastor Mike said, we are multifaceted men. We are media managers and, you know, worship leaders and soundboard people and stuff, preachers all at the same time. Amen. We're praying for every one of those roles to be filled someday. Amen. Um, in Jesus name. So this morning we are we are preaching to you guys on a on a topic that we're calling cultivating covenant. Say cultivating covenant. Cultivating covenant. Some of the stuff that God's been speaking to us in the last in the last months and even at our conference has been so so refreshing. It's been it's been uh, taking that yoke of religiosity off of us, right? You guys with me this morning? You awake? Tico, you with me? Pastor Mike's here. Jen, you here with us? Amen. Jen looks radiant whether she's sick or not. Look at her. Where's Kendall at? She don't want me to talk about her this morning. I'll, I'll end up taking up the whole message time on Kendall right now. You will. God has been revealing to us, though, church, that, um, that we've had some dead weight on us, right? Some of the weight of literally our old dead man where we have been so fixed on our sin nature. We've been so fixed on our sinful inclinations and on enemies and, and on weapons of darkness and things like that. That we forgot just how powerful his glory is, right? And so as we've been focusing on letting his light in, as we have been focusing on reflecting the glory of our father who is in heaven We've been able to get a little bit introspective, right? We've been looking at all the daddy issues in our hearts. We've been looking at all of the little things in us that was missing in there, all the distrust of our father, all, all, all of the things that keep our relationship from growing with him. But he's been revealing the magnitude of his great salvation and righteousness by which we've been able to call out Abba Father, right? Right? Has, has the word father increased in your vocabulary yes. recently? It yes. has for mine. He has slowed us down, pierced our hearts with a revelation of his righteousness, and we, more than ever before, are walking in a surety of sonship. Right? Isn't it relieving to have a life of religious performance taken off of your shoulders? Yes. Say, that's not my yoke. That's not my yoke. <laughs> He has shown us that as long as we abide in him and he abides in us and we do everything with him, his yoke and burden are easy and light. If you're walking in here exhausted today, even if you're sick, guys, let us, we, you're going to hear from us enough times this morning. Your circumstances do not determine your manifestation of his glory in your life. If Christ on a cross could manifest the glory and the love of his father, you can do it this morning. And I promise your sickness has no hold on a son or daughter of God. And you can overcome every single bit of it. It's a good right? word. Come on. 
Can you agree, church, that that weight's been taken off of you recently, though? It's been good. He's been making us light. He's been making us weightless almost. Pastor Mike was talking about flying over our circumstances earlier. This is a characteristic of, what, um, of some of the things that he's been doing in us. And I love it. Listen, the, the whole earth is ours, church. Do you all know that? If it's our God's, then it's ours too by way of inheritance. Pastor Devin has been saying something along these lines to people recently. He said, life as a son of God is like walking into a large property of thousands of acres. And your father says, go and explore it. It is all mine, so then it is all yours. Isn't that sweet? That you can look upon this entire creation and be like, that's mine. That's pretty sweet. So if that's the case, if your father says it's all mine, so then therefore it's all yours, go and explore it. There's a time and there's a place in our life for exploring. There's a time and place in our life where we're going to get to just all hop on a plane together, where groups and teams of us are going to get to go deep into the jungles of places that are rarely touched by modern humankind. And we're going to get to preach. We're going to get to lay hands on and we're going to get hands on people. And we're going to get to see manifestations of the Holy Spirit come upon people. And today we are preaching to you guys about cultivating a covenant, not just experiencing or receiving covenant, right? There's a covenant that God has always been God is always working through covenant. He's not just working through recommendations or he works through promises and through covenants. And whenever God speaks to a people and makes covenant with them as he as as he has um, adopted us into and grafted us into a covenant with a people, then we get some benefits of that. But we also have some responsibilities that come with it. See, the responsibilities that you have heard about in years past have all been correct. The teachings that Pastor Mike and Jen came in to, into Denton with as they came from the Arising Church, every one of those teachings, every one of those disciplines that you and I were taught were right from the start. However, however, we have found out in the past months that we've been operating with a fuel of religiosity, right? That we have been doing things out of obligation and that that's what we've been freed of. Church, understand, we have not been freed from responsibility. We have not been freed from discipline. We have been freed from the misery of religiosity and from the punishment of breaking the law. There is a righteousness that has been imparted to you from Yeshua, and there's also a behavioral righteousness, too, that you're going to start hearing us talk more and more about, because we want you to display the likeness of your Christ while here on the earth. There are only so many days, so many moments, so many years that we have here on this earth, and we want to be able to bring a good return to our Father, yeah? We'll get into more of that later, but listen to this. James chapter 1 19 through 25 says, This you know, my beloved brothers, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Come on, just getting frustrated with your sin does not create the righteousness of God. Is anybody tired and frustrated of their sin? That's what we've been teaching on for months, is that will not produce righteousness in you. 
Just getting ticked off at your sin nature doesn't immediately make you more righteous, right? Therefore, putting aside all filthiness in verse 21, and all that remains of wickedness, and humility, say humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Y'all know anybody that can sit in church day, week after week, month after month, year after year, and not have an ounce of change in their character? This is exactly what we're talking about. Those who are only hearers of the word who have deluded themselves. That is not this church, amen? You guys are those who have been relieved of dead weight of religiosity, and so you are that much stronger now. You've shed off a hundred pounds of just dead weight on your body. So doing any of these torture devices in here, right, become a lot easier, spiritually speaking. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and has gone away, he immediately forgets what kind of person he was. This is like getting stuck in front of a mirror for too long, right? That's why, that's why being stuck in front of a mirror, a person, any one of us who does that, is a greater sign of insecurity than of security. It says, I forgot, I, I need a little inspiration to remind me of how good I look right now. Right? That's exactly what James is saying right here. I need to be stuck in front of this mirror because I need to be encouraged a little bit on how good I look. And then so you look and look and look and look and you go back and back and back. But then there's a confidence, guys, that in our faith in Christ, we don't have to keep on going back to look at ourselves. We can just confidently move forward. We can just confidently cultivate the covenant that we've been given. We don't have to look behind us, right? What does Jesus say? Those who put their hand to the plow and look over their shoulder are not fit for the kingdom of God. You don't need to be concerned with the work that's been done behind you. You need to be concerned with what's ahead of you and believe that he is progressively maturing you, maturing you and strengthening you for the, for the task in front of you. Can you agree with that this morning? It says, but the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, say law of liberty, liberty, and abides in it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man, this man will be blessed in all that he does. Not just ministry, not just reading your Bible, not just prayer meetings, but leading your family, your jobs, your careers, your businesses that you own, the aspirations that he allows you to hold on to. All of those things will be blessed in what you do because you look upon the law of liberty and you say, I must abide by it. Not because I, not because I have to, but because I get to, because he has set me free and I want to live by every word that comes from my father his mouth because I love him and because I know that he knows what's best for me that way when I don't feel like it that way whenever I wake up and have an attitude of I would rather sin today my love and my trust in my father surpasses the desire for sin that I have in my carnal nature that's left isn't that great amen so before we move along into our first passages of the day with pastor Devin we want you to be empowered 
recognize that you have been empowered with this freedom and identity and sonship that you've received. So say this with me. It's time to get to work. It's time to get to work. It's time to dig. It's time to dig. This is much like the wells that we were hearing about from the missionary at the conference. Wasn't that inspiring? It's time to dig. Come on. Say, it's time to cultivate. It's time to cultivate. This is the covenant that Christ did you, what'd you say over there? Come on. That's a, come on, that's a family that's getting cultivated right there. <laughs> it's time to cultivate. Come on, church. You know what's beautiful about being a son in the house is that you have a father who loves you and wants to tell you things. Have you ever had someone come up to you that you loved and they say, hey, I want to have a conversation with you? And the first thing that rises up in you is either excitement or anxiety. Say, like, I don't know what they want to talk about. Or, if you really love each other, I'm excited to see what he has to tell me. That's what we do when every time we walk into Sunday morning, is we have a heart that says, I'm excited to see what God wants to tell us. When there's not that buzz in the air, it goes to show that we've been just distracted with some things. The level of expectation that we walk to on this, in this morning is what we will receive, because he wants to speak something to us. But sometimes we come in and we're like, I don't know, I just feel kind of tired. I'm a little bored. That means that you're not loving him the way that you've been called to love him. A part of this is cultivating the relationship that you have with him. Wives, husbands, have you all had seasons where you don't cultivate each other? Yes. There's a lot of hostility. There's a lot of frustration. And typically, it ends up that you all aren't unified in the way that you intended it to be. The point is you cannot be in a relationship and not cultivate the covenant. That's true. We're going to talk about cultivating a covenant this morning because that's God's desire, and that's what causes that buzz in the air or that excitement and that growth to happen in us. We're sons. Do you agree with that? Yes. Is he empowered you? Yes. And are you ready to cultivate the covenant? Yes. Let's go ahead and turn to Matthew 28 this morning. As we're asking the Holy Spirit to begin to grind our hearts and make them soft for the word that he has for us this morning. Hey, Jake, I'm excited you're here today, brother. And I'm excited that God's cultivating your field and that your overflow is going to be joy. Yes. That you don't live in disturbance anymore, but instead you live in security knowing that he's placed you in a family and that there's a joy that comes with that. And so, Come brother, on. I'm excited to see you here this morning. Come on. And our you younger brothers in the room, Dylan, God's teaching you how to cultivate covenant right now. Amen. Come on. He loves us, saints. And he's teaching us things. Are you in Matthew 28, verse 16? Yes. Come on, let's read it. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Like we are saying before, hey, meet me here. Some people get excited and others get anxious. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Wow, some of the disciples doubted. In there, though, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said to the ones that were doubting and the ones that weren't doubting, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the what? Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And as surely as I am with you always to the very end of the age. Come on, isn't it a beautiful thing to know that God is with us till the end of the age? Yes. With the covenant, in a covenant is found great security and confidence to move forward. 
Do you know that I, what I am confident of this morning, church? That since he has immersed me into a family, he desires to do the same for others. Yeah. I'm confident of this, that I've tasted of his goodness, and he's put me inside of a home. Therefore, I live the rest of my life cultivating that covenant by allowing others to join in with us. Yeah. Come on, don't you love the beautiful family that God's creating here? What are you doing to cultivate that? This is some of the things we're baptized into in a family. I've been surrounded by many fathers. I've been surrounded by many sons and have been empowered by his magnificent spirit. So when you're baptized into a way of Christ, you're baptized by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And every single one of those things were called to do something in your heart. It provokes you to the identity of living within a family. And whenever you see somebody else walking not in the identity of family, you say, hey, I've been baptized in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I'm surrounded with those things, and God wants to empower you with the same identity. Come on, even the oneness Pentecostals can get on board with that. (laughs) But there's still many who have not yet found this home, church, that God has so graciously invited you into. We can rest in our sonship, but we can't rest our heels from going and finding the lost sons. Yeah. We been, have been teaching you the commandments of Yahweh, not for yourselves, by the way. It's not about me. Say that. It's not, it's about, not me. about me. But for the purpose of taking back the sons of the king back to the table. We've been talking about a table. We've been talking about a home. We've been talking about sonship. We've been talking about security. We've been talking about beloved identity. We've been talking about the righteousness of God. But all of this does not end with just us. It ends with them. The more I get to know the Father, the more I begin to see how much bigger the table is that I'm sitting at. When you imagine the king's table, how many chairs do you imagine? Just all the people in this church? No, the more you get to know him, you understand that he has an endless table for those who want to come and sit with their name written on the, on the chair. Amen. But what are you doing to go invite people to come back to the table? And I'm not just talking about a table in the heavens anymore. There's tables in your house. Are you inviting people to them? Because that's what the Father did with you. I love how intentional he is. And if his commandments would really reside in our hearts, we begin to understand that he's called us to the same level of intentionality. The Father's been intentional to speak to every single one of your hearts this morning. And it awakened something in you. But what it's called to awaken in your actions is intentionality to go find those who need to find a place called home. We're talking about cultivating covenant this morning. And can, can you guys just take a minute to consider, those of you who are going out to, to a consecrated moment of evangelism today, who are going out to share with others everything that you've been given. What if forever now that, that tone of evangelism is not a transfer of intellectualism or of convincing someone uh, that they should immediately have a behavioral change? Like, did you have an immediate behavioral change when you walked into Jesus? I sure didn't. And so what if... In evangelism, in a moment of spreading the evangelion, the good news of Yeshua, 
that it became more about the good news that even the broken and the messed up are invited to the table. And just trust that your father in heaven and then that person's newfound brothers and sisters at, the le- at their left and right at the table is where we're going to find wholeness at and where we're going to find a recovery from a life of sin. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that so much better than having to have like the most clever argument possible for telling people about Jesus and trying to convince them about it? But that's going to require today, church, that every one of you are still seated. We're not asking you to get up from your seat from your father's table and then go back to working in your own strength. We're saying from this position of being seated, you and I can continue to see an entire community turned over for Jesus. Amen? Amen. Could you imagine what would happen if sons were as intentional as the father? The measure of love that's been poured into you would be the measure of love that you pour out to his creation. Whenever you go out to evangelism, for those of who do, could you imagine having an attitude that says, hey, come back to my house, let's have a meal, compared to come join the army. I believe a lot of time we're just like, strap on your boots, join the army, get in line, do the will of God. But that didn't do anything for anybody. The measure of love that we receive is the measure of sacrifice that we pour out, by the way. We can't sacrifice anything unless we know whom we're sacrificing for. And the sacrifice isn't really true until you begin to love the one who you're sacrificing for. Amen. That's the same thing in our covenant. Our covenant is important because it's an opportunity to find a love and to deepen the love. And as the love deepens, sacrifice becomes a joy to you. Our sacrifice cannot outweigh our love. And our love can't outweigh our sacrifice because they're equally balanced to the one who's actually operating in the kingdom of God. John 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled, church. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Check this out. My father's house has many rooms. If there were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. That you also may be where I am. Check this out, disciples in the room. You know the way to the place where I'm going. You know the place to where I am going. The Father has made preparations for many sons by providing many rooms in the house for them. He has prepared a place for many sons. And it's like a beautiful image of a person growing their family. And you're doing an addition and you're getting rooms. And we've done many construction jobs at Kaysen, uh, Pastor Kaysen's house just so we can fit more people in the house. <laughs> I'm preparing many rooms in my house. Why? Because he expects many sons to enter it. In light of our Lord being prepared to take them in, what have we made our responsibility and this out to be? Have you made preparations to take in the lost sons into your family? Or will you let darkness father them? Or will you let darkness father them? Church, I'm reminding you today that you have every single thing that you need. What preparations are you making then? Because we can make this seated at the table sonship thing be something way off in the heavens or even in our minds as this like pretty little thought that makes us feel good. 
but it has to produce action in us. And what I'm asking you today is as you're sitting at the table, what that looks like for you husbands is sitting at your dining room table and understanding that God's made you everything that you ought to be. And then calls you to then invite sons back to the table so you can father them. It's not just in the heavens. It's here on the earth. Heavens is coming down and he's asking his sons to go and take authority over this land. Church, you know the way back to the place where he is. There are those outside who are waiting the sons of God to point them back to the place where they can find a place called home. You can't sit at home all day and do nothing. You have to go out and have people come into the house. You guys have experienced this before. Home is a beautiful place. It's a beautiful place for fellowship. It's a beautiful place for rest. It's a beautiful place for many things. But you know what it's not a beautiful place for? Doing nothing. You can't do nothing in a house and expect to feel that buzz in the air that I was talking about earlier. It becomes your own crutch. It becomes your own pit over time if you do not make it a home. Home is about who's in it. And home can only be filled if you come and invite people back to it. God has invited you to his home. Therefore, you need to invite others back to yours. Come on. Say it's time to cultivate. If we're going to invite successfully other sons to our table, and at that, those who have such an insecurity that they don't believe their sons. Did any one of you have trouble believing that you were a son or daughter of God? Well, isn't that funny how that was the hardest thing to believe? And at the beginning in John 14, Jesus says to not be anxious. Do not let your hearts be troubled. About what? What did he say don't let your hearts be troubled about? The idea of whether or not there was room in his father's house. Wow. That's what he said to not be troubled about. Whoa, all of a sudden it makes sense why sonship has been one of the hardest Things for us to move recently, right? And But if we're going to invite others to our table and see them go from a place of insecurity to a place of security, then just like you've had to sit at other secure sons, other secure brothers, other secure pastors' tables here at this church, do, you're going to find out really quick that you cannot invite people and walk them into a state of sonship at your table if you have not cultivated your own house in a place where they are walking into a cultivated covenant and not into, into a chaotic covenant. Amen? Does that make sense? Come on. We now take part in cultivating and reaping the fruit of the land of the Father. Are you excited to live a life like that? Where we get to go and then take back the beautiful things that we're, we're sown. You know, there's many out there that are just waiting for a conversation with you. You're the answered prayer. You're the one that they need. And understanding that we need to go out and we need to begin to be the light and not just go sow and plant another seed, but take home another son. Come on. Hallelujah. Guys, we, we're not trying to deliver to you a weighty intellectual message this morning. Our goal today is that you would walk out of here excited to put in some work, to go back to some of those original disciplines that you have been so well taught by Pastor Mike and Jen when they first took you into their lives, right? We want you to be excited today 
to out of a place of sonship, go and get to work on cultivating the land, cultivating your family, cultivating your marriage, cultivating the people in the land that God's given us so that we might see a harvest come. Now, listen, Hebrews chapter two, we don't want you to flip to every place in our Bible. I would rather you listen and listen closely to me this morning. okay? in Hebrews chapter two. Verses 1 through 4 in the CJB, it says, Therefore, we must pay much more careful attention to the things we have heard, so that we will not drift away. For if the word of God, for if the word God spoke through angels became binding, so that every violation and act of disobedience received its just deserts in full measure. That's so cool. Um, The translator for the CJB described that for every disobedience, there was a desert that you didn't want to have to go through right there. For just deserts in full measure, then how will we escape? How will we escape? If there was a Torah that was given to Israel and it became binding because it came by the word of God through angels, then how much more? How will we escape if we ignore such a great deliverance? This deliverance, which was first declared by Yeshua, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. While God also bore witness to to it with various signs, wonders, and miracles, and gifts of the Ruach HaKodesh, which he distributed as he chose. Have you received a great deliverance? Yes. Have you received a great deliverance? Yes. Come on. Then how much more so, you sons and daughters of the living God, must we take hold of his will? Come on. We're we're not not just talking about receiving an identity. That is good. We have to have that. But how much more should we take a hold of his will for the land that he's placed us in if we have received such a great deliverance? If God expected the sons of Abraham to take a hold of an identity by way of Abraham, and then take hold of a covenant and a promise by way of Abraham and then Torah, and then to then obey it and then go into the land of Canaan and take it for the name of Yahweh, for the name of the sons of Israel, then how much more should we, by way of Yeshua today, take a hold of his commandments that he spoke to us to do? Doesn't that excite you to be obedient now? It's not a matter of, you, of your obli- religious obligation anymore. That is, that is a disgusting concept to me now. That like you can see the difference between someone who does something because they love someone and does something because they have to do it. Does that make sense? Can you tell even when you're own, in your own home and your spouse or your children or somebody do something only out of obligation and not out of an affection? Don't you want that to change in your own house? Well, that, God has made me sensitive to this church because I've been doing things out of obligation a lot for years of my life. Even since I've been born again in Spiritville, don't think that that immediately then changes something in you. He still teaches you to walk in affection. He still teaches you to walk in love. And he's made me sensitive to these things in my own family in my own home and especially within this church because he has shown us he has shown me just how much he wants me to do things out of an affection for him out of a love for him out of a devotion and covenant with him and not just because I have a religious obligation 
This, this idea, this thought continues in Revelation chapter 2. Remember the church in Ephesus? <laughs> Devin and I were reading, and we're like, whoa, this is straight up remnant church through and through, especially as we've seen us develop recently. Verses 2 through 6 in Revelation chapter 2 says this, I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance. We have some of the hardest workers in this room that I know. It's true. People that will just get up every day. Come on, Chuck. Come on, Kindle. Y'all are some of the hardest workers on, I've ever known. Joe, John, Matt. Matt. We could go on with everybody in this room. This room is full of hard workers. I know of your perseverance, he says. I know of your toil and that you cannot tolerate evil men. And that you put to the test those who call themselves apostles. And they are not. And you found them to be false. Come on, God's saying that you are a people who work hard. You are a people who persevere. You are a people who are sensitive to false spirits, to false teachings coming in. And you won't take any of it. And God loves that about you people here at Remnant Church. He says, and you have perseverance. You have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake, says God. And you've even not grown weary. But I have this against you that you left your first love. Did you know that you can get on the struggle bus the rest of your life and just ride the struggle bus your whole life bumping around? I don't know about you guys. I don't, I'm not even comfortable in like my own truck, much less from where you have fallen. Repent and do the deeds you did at first. Say, do the deeds. Do the deeds. Do the deeds you did at first. Or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Yet, you, yet this you do have, that you hate the deeds in the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Guys, pay attention to the progression here. God recognizes the sacrifice of the church in Ephesus in Revelation 2. He points out that their hearts have grown cold and he expects a return to a first love. Just by, by the fact that he pointed it out. Parents, just be, listen. Like This is how we know this is theologically true. If you point out to your child and you say, Hey, CJ, your room is a mess. What are you also indicating then, Vanessa? You're clean up your room. I didn't point it out to you so you could just laugh about it or think about it or make it more messy. I said, CJ, your room is a mess. He's like, okay, mom, you want me to clean it? That's what we want to hear, right? Amen. Yeah. <clears throat> this is the same reason why Yeshua pointed this out in Ephesus. He said, your love has grown cold. You have lost your first love. That indicates go back to your first love. He didn't even have to say it. The very fact that your, that your spouse would say to you, I don't feel like you are being as affectionate with me as you used to, should immediately indicate to go and exhaust yourself, making yourself more affectionate word. to your spouse. Come on, man. The fact that we have to be point, these things have to be pointed out to us most of the time just shows that we're stubborn and hard-headed, Yeah. That's like, that's like God in the garden asking Adam and Eve, where are you? But he has like clothes and he's like, where are you? Come here. Oh, oh no, I didn't want you to come out. I was just curious where you were. That's not how that works. <sighs> so God expects a return to first love. He then declares a return to the deeds done at first. 
The things we have always been taught, but never understood because our hearts were empty. And those first deeds were executed by a spirit of obligation and by sheer force. Did you find you, yourselves exhausted at any times, guys? For those of you who lived in my house, did you, any of you, were, did you find yourself exhausted trying to obey the word of God or by, by, be, trying to follow the leadership of either one of us in the house? And I'm not, I'm definitely not saying we're easy people to get, get along with. I'm just saying yes, you are. it was exhausting in some ways. But that's because we do some of these things by sheer force. Consider the years of sermons you have received, church, the parenting classes, the singles teaching, the cultural practices like writing stones for each other, late, late night prayer meetings in your own living rooms, not just at church, in your own living rooms, D disciples pressing into their relationships with their disciplers. I'm saying to you today to return back to the deeds you did at first because we, he's already been returning us back to a first love. Now we need to get back to the deeds that we did at first and not forget the good works that Yeshua has called us to do. Do not hold back. Press in, fight, work, and cultivate is the message we're preaching to you today. You are now fueled with a fire that is not so easily put out. You don't have to have another church service to another corporate church service to make yourself feel invigorated again. There was a love that has been founded in your own home, in your own life, in your own heart now, where you can come to church service every week and be a part of contributing to the fire and not just taking from the fire that day. You are now fueled with this, and you've got a new name by way of adoption, an affection from your Father in heaven and for your Father in heaven. And a revelation of Yeshua being proud to call you a brother. Come on. Come on. The same one who died and imparted to you his righteousness is also one who calls you a brother. This is the very foundation that we can actually get back to work from. Can do you agree with that? So how can we neglect such a great salvation? Say it's time to cultivate. It's time to cultivate. Who enjoyed being at the One Association? I know you well. Uh, for many years, you look at the guys that sit on that stage, all 18 of those men, and you're like, I want to do what they do, which is beautiful. But the moment that you try to make sacrifices that those men make without having the love that those men have, it just becomes striving. But because you're beginning to cultivate the heart of a son in your life, this produces a love that turns into great sacrifice. Yeah. I'm telling you what, you cannot measure yourself by man, but you definitely measure yourself by him. Church, let's turn to Acts 2 this morning. Was reading Revelation 2 pretty amazing in that light? You're like, dang, that's what it truly meant to return to the first love and return to the deeds that you did at first. We must have love dwelling in our hearts. Are you in Acts 2, verse 33? It says, Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the, the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, 
Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Listen in. Now, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. And they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to him, repent, and each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of what? The Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. And as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And we, with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exalting them, saying, Be saved for, from this perverse generation. So then, those who had received his word were baptized. And that day, they were added, listen to the progression, about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone, check this out. This is the ESV, I believe. No, this is the NSB says, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place to the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. Say all. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all. And everyone in need had what they needed. Day by day, continually with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were, talking, uh, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincere hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Man, that is a beautiful growth church plan. Yeah. <laughs> it's just being who God's intended you to be. Yeah. So I want to look at this progression of Acts 2 with you. Yeah. We talk about this chapter a lot. Then we walk through a whole chapter on this chapter here in Discipleship Helps. Yes. Where we talked about implementing each one of these things. But I want to listen into the progression here. They received a message. The message of what? The revelation of Jesus Christ. What did it do to them? It pierced their hearts. Have your hearts been pierced with the revelation of Jesus Christ? They were baptized into a way of life of Jesus Christ, according to verse 41. They devoted themselves to teaching, to fellowshipping, to breaking bread, and to intimacy with God. Verse 42. They remained in a state of awe in the transformative power of the Father. Verse 43. Great love brought forth great sacrifice. Things like selling possessions and selling properties just so they can see their brother who is in front of them get what he needed. Verse 45. Producing corporate unity, which brought forth an overflow of gladness and sincerity of hearts. Come on, haven't we been praying for gratitude in this church? Gratitude's gained the moment that you give everything away and realize God gives you everything that you need. Amen. There's a gratitude that comes with that. That means we must be giving what we have. 
great sacrifice, selling properties and possessions. But some of you can't even swipe your card for somebody's lunch on a Sunday. If you want to feel in all of the uh, transformative power of the Father, then you must begin to live as the Father lives. Great sacrifice comes with great love. But Pastor Mike was saying it this morning. Some of you have been leaking. And it's time to patch it up. Regain your strength and begin to live for someone else as the one of these brothers who did it in Acts 2. Producing a corporate unity. Are you ready to be unified with each other? Yeah. Then you have to actually begin to start living for someone else. The one in front of you. You're securing your sonship, son and daughter. Yeah. Now call people who are not secure into the home in which you've been placed in. Amen. Our homes cannot become things that we die and rot in. They become a table in which sons and daughters can come to and meet their father for the first time. Amen. A lot of you are weary and are burdened because you are imploding in self-righteousness and in self-producing way of life. And you call it living. It's not living at all. What the brothers and sisters who were pierced with the revelation of Jesus Christ were doing is what living is. Yeah. It's time to wake up. Come on. Becoming a house of celebration, which daily received back lost sons, away from darkness and into a wonderful light. This was the household they lived in. Is your house a house of celebration? We must live as those in the time of Acts lived. It is a requirement if we want to see the Lord's house begin to fill up with lost sons. Amen. Come on. Say, my heart has been pierced. I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, church, that, that was two of the first steps that Pastor Devin pointed out to you in Acts chapter 2. What came next? What came next was a recognition that the promise that you have received of that Holy Spirit that you have been filled with was first and foremost for your children. Come on, parents, parents in here, you have to remember the first place you cultivate and make sure that gets filled with the Holy Spirit is your children. First and foremost, even those listening to the live stream, if it's still working right now. Sorry, Pastor Casey, I got a little more to say. Oh, keep going, please. I just feel like some of our life is just a little too common for this world. That's true. I feel like at times we want to see great things of God, but we're unwilling to pour out the way that his son did. Yeah. I think even in my own heart, I'm starting to recognize, man, I really just like being comfortable. I love comfort. And moments when I walk into church on Sunday, I realize this comfortability is making me insecure in my father's house. We're living too common. We're living as common men whenever we were called to be sons and men of renown. Yeah. The word, the word, um, the word exploits has been something big for me. This is not my notes. But we'll never be able to go out and do great things until we come to the revelation that he wants us to do great things right here. 
You don't walk into a Sunday morning half asleep and bored and expect great things at the same time. Amen. This morning, some of you came in and y'all didn't really want to be here. That's common thought. It's saying, well, I'm just going to listen to Devin sing four songs. We're going to listen to a message. We're going to feel something and we're going to go home and do nothing about it. That is common living, and it's a curse on our church, and we have to break out of it this morning. If we want to see things like the book of Acts, we have to grow our expectation. You've already been healed. You've already been sanctified. He's already taken shame away from you and the sting of death away from you. So why are you living like a dead man? Yeah, come on. Why are you living like a dead man? This area is in my marriage that I realized that I haven't been pastoring well. That I've been common. I've been giving Jamie my last fruits whenever I've always intended to give her her first fruits. Husbands, we have to repent of that. When you come home and you see being at home as a burden, you're just living as a common man. We can give our hallelujahs and we can give our praise. And when we walk on church on Sunday and we look sleepy and we look done and we look disturbed, it's because you, you haven't been pastoring the way you were intended to pastor. If you and your wife are still having arguments about carnal things, you're not pastoring the way that you need to be pastoring. Single people, if you're still walking at a level of emptiness and loneliness each day, you're not allowing the Father to love you the way that you're intended to be loved. And then you're not taking the love that he's given you and pouring it out on others. The moment that we become common in our thoughts, in our hearts, in our minds, is the day that we get kind of bored and frustrated with being a part of something like this. Because you know what's frustrating is when you come to church every Sunday and we keep telling you the same things and you don't do anything about it. I'm not, I'm frustrated with things that I am not implementing. I don't have time to be frustrated with you. You're frustrated at yourself. Yeah. But what's frustrating is that God did it here and it's not happening now. And it's because of us. It's not because of him. Are you ready to walk in such a unity that whenever Lorraine is speaking, she hears, uh, somebody hears a bit of Pastor Kaysen coming out of her? (laughs) Come on. Are you ready to come into a room and when new people come, it's not about common conversations because you're insecure about being able to to display the love of God to others. But instead, when... Somebody walks into the room, they instantly get sat down at the table where they belong and fed and and they get something to drink that they always intended and needed. We got to stop living as common men and I'm done with it. Amen. We're not going to have the awkward conversations anymore. We're just going to, it's not awkward to us anymore. We have the straightforward conversations. Son, you've been living in sin and it's causing frustration in your life. I love you whenever I say that, but today you have to walk away. Yeah. Husbands, you have not been pastoring your wife. You have not been implementing the things that you've learned from the beginning. You don't do anything that you were taught in marriage counseling. And you're wondering why you're frustrated all the time. It's because you haven't been cultivating the covenant. Yeah. We have to break out of it today, church. Come on. This is, this is why we're coming to church feeling guilty. This is why we're coming to church distracted and tired. And it's why we come to church and of all people 
It's mostly our dads and husbands that stand outside and talk about the six days of work that led up to the one consecrated moment that you can have for Jesus this week. Come on, dude. We, are, we as men are cultivating a covenant and we set the tone in our house. We set the tone in our church. We set the tone in our marriages. We set the tone for what happens. And we, I, we refuse, church, for there to be a culture any longer in this place where we can't come in and have a moment that's consecrated to our God. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Guys, Acts chapter 2 displays a sense of awe and wonder, and signs and wonders, and miracles that happen. You know how we get to signs and wonders and miracles? Come on, I, Pastor Mike has made me as charismatic as the next, as any charismatic, and I, he did not find me that way, and I am excited for the signs, wonders, and miracles to be abundant here. We see them, but to, for them to be abundant, I mean just manifest right here in the middle of the room. We're excited for that, but it's going to take that breaking bread with each other at each other's tables first. It's going to take just sliding the card to pay for a brother's meal, even if it's the last dollars in your account. Come on, y'all, any person in this room that has set a culture of sacrifice did not set a culture of sacrifice because they had a ton of money. The most sacrificial people in this room are also the most broke people in this room. And the most blessed people in the room. Yes. But their cups keep getting filled up because they keep pouring it out for other people. So there is an endless supply. (laughs) That's the reality. That is the economy of the kingdom in both finances and in everything else spiritual in God's kingdom revelation teachings knowledge wisdom resources all of it you pour it out for others and he will manifest supernaturally in abundance in a community of people so that they will never ever ever run out come on guys this is this is what we're aiming for in this kind of manifestation Acts chapter 4 is another great example of this. It says, now, they ob- now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had, who had been healed with them, they had nothing to say in reply. Their accusers didn't. But when they had ordered them to leave the council... They began to confer with each other. Come on, the people who were accusing Peter and John of being heretics were now conferring with each other, trying to understand how to handle these men that will not shut up for the life of anything. But when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that, they said, so that it will not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name of Yeshua. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Yeshua. But Peter and John answered and said to them, come on, Peter and John together answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you 
rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot, we cannot, not will not, we cannot. We are uncontrollable. We cannot control ourselves in, in how we speak about what we have seen and what we have heard. Come on, what started as a discipline. Y'all read it in the Gospels. There were times that Peter, how many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three, even leading up to a crucifixion. Just because you have not represented Jesus rightly in the last months or last years does not mean that that's the end of it. You can then become, an ap- in this case, an apostolic figure that literally is the tip of the spear for leading the first century church. This is what happens when you're saying, I'm done with this, and I'm going to go back to the teachings that my rabbi gave me day in and day out, when we were laying in the dirt next to each other under the stars, those teachings that he said to me there, I'm going back to those things. And the things that were once disciplines are now going to become things that I can't help but do. Come on, Jesus had to tell them to go and preach the good news. He had to tell them to go and testify. And now they can't stop it. Guys, if you want to be able to see a certain life in your family that you admired and maybe some of the other families at the conference, it's going to take a decisive moment for discipline today. And you just believe that where you cultivate and sow, God will give you a harvest of a multitude in the days, months, and years to come. And you'll get to see something that's casual, easy for your family that took discipline right now. These newly established apostles did not sit at home, church, or only amongst one another. They went and they proclaimed everything that they had seen, heard, perceived, and believed. Just like the church at Ephesus in Revelation 2, these men detested Gnosticism and legalism of their time. But you can be sure they were inspired by such a great love that they had received. Motivated by love from the Father, inspired by their friendship with Yeshua, and empowered by an infilling of the Holy Spirit, these men were a force to be reckoned with because they had taken hold of Christ the way that Christ had taken hold of them. They did not stop at acceptance of covenant with Yeshua. They did not resolve to minister only to those who accepted them already, but went to even people who hated them and preached to even those who would accuse them and those who would later in years to come even crucify and murder them. And they could not stop because what had once started in a moment of cultivation and discipline, they were now yielding a multitude just naturally through their body. Come on. Church, do you want to yield a multitude? Do you want to yield a multitude? Then we must begin to live as those in the time of Acts were living. I want every single one of us to be focused on the prize. The prize in which Christ Jesus desires to give. But it takes living outside of yourself and beginning to live for someone else. You've entered into a covenant today, and today it's time to begin to cultivate it. Who's ready to cultivate it today? Who's ready to cultivate it today? Come on. Men, who has a desire to preach in here? Who has a, raise your hand. What are you doing to cultivate it? It's as, you're just waiting around for your pastors to give you permission. But you're not even in your prayer closet beginning to write sermons because you're so hungry for somebody to hear the word of God. 
You don't need permission. You have permission. Be everything that God's called you to be. But what are you doing to cultivate it? We're not waiting around anymore. Whenever we received, we accepted the gospel, which brought forth peace. We did not just sit there, as Pastor Kaysen said, anymore. We went out to those who even hated it so that they might receive it and come into the light that God has always required. Today is the day to cultivate the covenant. Guys, Matthew chapter 25 gives one of the best examples of this, and it's the parable of the talents, but I want you, before we read through Matthew 25, to listen to the language that Yeshua gave us in John 14. He said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live in you, you will live also. And that day In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments, says Yeshua, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. It is a witness to the fact that you have taken hold of his love. So you can can figure out that if I am really having trouble, and walking out the commandments of Yeshua, I know where I'm lacking at. I'm lacking in the love that I have for him. So I'm going to go back and I'm going to spend time with him on a daily basis. I'm going to ask him to show me how to love him the way that he loves me so that then I can go and walk out the commandments that he has spoken to me to do. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Jesus answered and said to them in verse 23 of John 14, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. Come on. In verse 24, he says, He who does not love me and does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but but is is the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. In verse 28, Yeshua says, You heard that I said to you, I go away and I will come to you. If you loved me, said Jesus, if you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Now I have told you before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. In verse 31, Jesus concludes John 14 with this, get up, let us go from here. Now interpret the rest of Matthew 25. Are you all still with me? You still here? Interpret the rest of Matthew 25 with what I just read to you from John 14. In verse 14 of Matthew 25, it says, For it is just like uh, the kingdom is just like a man to go out on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. Let's make sure and establish this here. Consider today that the sense of sonship, the identity, the adoption you know you have received, that this is what those talents are, right? Talents are, is, is a measure of money. It's a measure of, of finances at that time. 
So when God gives you a five-fold measure or a two-fold measure or a single measure even of an awareness of your sonship, of an empowerment by his Holy Spirit, that's the investment that he's left with you. Remember, Jesus said, I am going, I am leaving, and I'm not leaving you as orphans. And right here, a master is leaving an investment with his servants and says, I'm going away on a journey for a while. Verse 20, uh, verse 16, immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. And in the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But, the, but he who received the one talent went away, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. We, church, we no longer work from a place of anxiety, but from a place of prosperity. We work from a place of prosperity. We have an abundance in him. The, what you have been given is not a small thing. Some of us are so concerned about how little we have in our bank accounts because you don't value the deposit from Yeshua that you've been given yet. How is he going to trust you with more money and finances and his kingdom if you don't even value this great salvation and redemption that you've received? Come on. Immediately, the one who had received those ta- all of those talents, the five and the two, go and trade and receive a double measure back. The one who had won went and buried it out of anxiety. Can you imagine the difference, church, in your posture before your God when you go to present to him the glorious return of the investment he placed in your life? When you've been living in a mentality of a conquering son rather than an anxious slave? That's an entirely different posture that we're going to get to stand before our Father. Come on, I have been redeemed from these things. You have been redeemed from these things in these past months. The anxious slave mentality is gone today. So whenever your master comes back and you are standing before him and you're giving him a return for the investment that he placed in you, you don't have to stand there looking at the ground disappointed with your life. You can... Get your chin up, look in the eyes of your God with confidence, and say, here, Father, is a return for everything you gave me. The one who had received these five talents came up with this five talents saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more. That's a confident, conquering son there. His, man, uh, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in authority over many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one who also had received, um, the one who had received two talents, the same thing happened. But the one who had come up with one talent in verse 24 says, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you do not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. And I was afraid. I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, have back what is yours. Church, this is the difference between cultivating and then over a lifetime seeing a doubled return 
on the original investment of sonship, of love, of affection, of empowerment in his Holy Spirit? What if our expectation for our children, for our disciples, was a double-fold measure of the sense of sonship and daughterhood, of the sense of ownership of the land, of the authority, of the empowerment in the Holy Spirit? What if that was the goal for our children, was a double measure of what we have today? That's what we're getting to talk about. He says, but his master said to him, you wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. If you think that way, then you should have put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, I would have at least received interest on it. At least entrust your gifting to somebody else. At least entrust your sense of sonship to someone else. Because at least they'll take it and bring me a return on it. Therefore, take away the talent from him. And give it to the one who has ten. Not the one who has five, the one who has ten. Because he brought back a double-fold return. For to everyone who has... For to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave out into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Can you see that even whenever we have been called servants and then even better sons in our father's house, workers for our father carrying his name, that even then we must go and produce. We must cultivate. We must sow. And then we must reap. A return for our father because we love him and because we want to please our master. Isaiah 6, verse 4, as we're working towards a close. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. The one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sins atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord say, Whom shall I send and whom will go for us? And he says, Here I am. Send me. You, like Isaiah, have been cleansed, redeemed, and set free, church. Now, with eager expectation, we all should be like Isaiah, jumping up out of his chair, ready to cultivate the inheritance in which has been granted to us. We are no longer looking around for the next son who is eager to go and work in the fields as we're just looking for somebody to replace you. But we as a church are moving toward a season of collecting what has already been sown. God has transformed this church from woe is me to let us go. I remember two years ago when we were praying on Thursday nights and everybody is just on the floor saying woe is me. Resting in a place I just need to be touched whenever you are already clean because the word that was spoken to you. 
And now that we have that revelation. Come on, that now, includes even those of you who came in this morning feeling unclean. And now that we have this revelation, church, we're called to go into the field. We're called to say, here I am, rather than, woe is me. You are sons of God. And like John 14 spoke of earlier, you hold the directions to the house of God for his lost sons. It is time that we invest from the great inheritance that we've been given. So that others might walk into the same inheritance. Somebody say cultivating covenant. Cultivating covenant. Malachi 4 verse 5. We know this. It says, look, I'm standing. I'm sending to you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching. His what? Preaching. Will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And the hearts of the children to their father, uh, fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike a land with a curse. Church, we heard it before. The spirit of Elijah is not the goosebumps on your arms you're feeling during worship. This is a spirit that cries out within us, I can't watch another son not know his father. I cannot watch another son not know his father. And I will not go another day ignoring the lonely whenever I've been sent into a family. It is our investment, our daily choices that will cultivate the covenant that we have received. He has given you everything as far as the east is from the west. So go and take hold of it. It's time to marry the land that God has planted us in so that the lost sons will find a way back home, church. Whose preaching will turn the hearts? Those who practice what they preach. Whose preaching will turn the hearts of the sons back to the fathers? Those who practice what they preach and those who do what they have learned. It's time to go back and consider the things that you have learned and start implementing them. Matthew 9, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news. You know this news is good, right? I know I'm yelling at you this morning. It's because I'm excited. I want things to change. Do you want things to change? Yes. The good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Praise the Lord. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Isn't that awesome that Jesus sees the harassed and helpless and he has compassion and he looks to his closest sons and he says, hey, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. That's what we're doing this morning. Turning sons into workers. Come on. And the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out the workers into the harvest. He'll send you out if you want. He'll send you out if you want. But the question is, do you really want to see lost sons come home? Do you really want to? Yes. Then your actions must line up with it. Romans 8, verse uh, verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Amen. 
The creation waits in eager expectation for who? You! You! The sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hopes that the creation itself will be liberated from the bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom that comes from the children of God. Who are they waiting for? They're waiting for us. They're waiting for you. They're waiting for you. They're waiting for you. Come on, stand up, you sons and daughters of God. You too, big pasty. (laughs) Pastor pasty. Are you going to go home and not let anything that we said today not affect you? Are you just going to... Just, oh, that was a good message today from pastors. I mean, they always seem to put something good together. Is that going to be your response today? Husbands, are you going to begin to reinstate your cultivation of your wife? Yes. Husbands, are you going to begin to give your wives your first fruits? Yes. Because, listen, you're not married to your brothers. You're married to your wife. And it's time today that you go and cultivate the covenant in which you... And stated from the beginning. Because yeah. you know why? Because y'all are faithful sons. I know that to be true. It's, it's time to start acting like it. I like it. Wives, are you ready to put away grumbling? Are you ready to value your life and value your Pinterest and your Facebook more than, not more than, his word and stated in you? Are you ready, are you ready to be a blessing to your husbands? Are you ready to be excited about the harvest that God's bringing into your household? We have to begin to get excited about these. And singles, are you ready to move forward in the call of God? Come on. Are you ready to move forward in the call of God? Hey, here's a, here's a, here's a little secret. Just because you're not married doesn't mean that you can't have disciples. Yeah. Today, are you ready to make disciples? Amen. Come on. Church, we want to we finish out today with reminding you of the prophecies spoken over this church many, many times a few years ago. In Isaiah 37, 30 through 35, it says, Then this shall be the sign for you. You will eat this year what grows of itself, and the second year what springs from the same, and in the third year sow, reap, and plant vineyards and eat their fruit. The surviving remnant of the house of Judah will again take root below and bear fruit upwards. For out of Jerusalem will go forth a remnant from out of Jerusalem. Consider this to be our Jerusalem today. From out of this place, you remnant church will go. And out of... From out of Jerusalem will go forth a remnant, and out of Mount Zion survivors. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he will not 
come to this city or shoot an arrow there, and he will not come before it with a shield or throw up a siege against it. By the way that he came, so he will also leave. Come on, not only is God speaking to you today to get to work on the fields that he's given you, but he's saying no enemy will prosper against you. That's no enemy word. will prosper against you. We're not focused on the enemy. We're focused on the land, on the family, on the houses, on the marriages, on the disciples that you have been given. And you're going to today get in a tone of focusing and, and working and cultivating in that place of covenant before you ever start to worry about an enemy coming against you. Come on. Lord God, today, today we are excited to carry out and manifest this very prophecy that you've spoken over our church. We are a surviving remnant and we are taking deeper root. We are bearing fruit above, Lord God. We will go out from, from this home that you've given us and we will be empowered by your zeal, Lord. We will accomplish all of these things. But today we proclaim that in this church, Lord, we are carrying your name and we are carrying your banner, Lord God. We will commence right now, Lord, a season of cultivating and sowing into the very ground you have given us. We say that we are ready to work this soil, God. We are ready to work this soil of this land called drawing near that you have given us. And we are excited to bring a return to you, our beloved Father. Father, we love you. And we say that today is the day that we were picking up our plowshares. We are picking up our pruning hooks, God. And we are cultivating everything that you've given us. Thank you. Father, for the covenant that you have spoken over us. Thank you, Father, for the love you have poured out for us, for us, God. We are excited to invite other sons to your table. And it's all in your name, Yeshua, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, hug somebody.